Welcome to Podcast at Boatwright. I am Lucretia McCulley, Director of Outreach Services at Boatwright Library. Our author today is Abigail Cheever, Associate Professor of English and Film Studies and Coordinator of the Film Studies Program. Dr. Cheever is the author of a new book, Real Phonies, Cultures of Authenticity in Post-World War II America, published by the University of Georgia Press. By focusing on authenticity and identity, Dr. Cheever analyzes the changing representation of adolescents, depression, serial killers, Jewish and African American experience, incorporations in the transition from existentialism to post-structuralism and multiculturalism in America. Abigail, thank you for joining us today. It's my pleasure. And to start off our conversation, what inspired you to write on this particular topic? The idea for this book came to me when I was reading the short story by Truman Capote called Breakfast at Tiffany's. Mm-hmm. And there's a moment in that, it's more of a novella actually, there's a moment in that novella when one of the characters describes Hallie Golightly as a phony but a real phony. And when I was reading the book, I didn't really understand how we could ever think of a phony as being real. It seemed a bit like an oxymoron to imagine that a phony could be more real or less real. A phony should just be phony. Mm -hmm. So that started me out thinking about the concept of phoniness and what that meant in the 1950s United States and why it seemed to be so important to so many writers and filmmakers during that period that phoniness and its opposite, authenticity, would be an issue of such concern. So I began reading a variety of different novels, watching a number of different films, and ultimately the book grew out of that experience. Okay, fascinating. It sounds like you cover a lot of different topics and perspectives in the book. I I try to. And in fact, one of the things that was very challenging about the book was drawing a boundary around what I was going to discuss. The topic is wide enough ranging that you can pretty much consider the question of phoniness and authenticity in relation to identity in any number of different fields. So I could have gone all the way back to the Renaissance to discuss it. I could have read another million novels, and I still wouldn't have exhausted the number of authors and thinkers who were dealing with questions of phoniness and authenticity. So what I ended up trying to do was choose a series of issues, the ones that you listed in the introduction, that seem to address the different aspects of authenticity as it relates to persons during the 1950s and limit it very specifically to the period of from 1945 to 2000 and to just this very specific set of questions or concepts. Um, Because otherwise I could have been writing for 50 years and I wouldn't have even begun to deal with all of the different issues that that come up when you talk about authenticity and phoniness. Um, So that was was how I ended up trying to, to restrict it. Okay, very good, thank you. Well, how did students contribute to the development of this book? I had a lot of great luck with my students, I have to say. I taught twice in my first couple of years here at UR, taught uh, English department research seminars, which are upper-level courses offered in the English department. It's usually between 12 and 15 students and one professor, and it's an opportunity for the students to do an extended research project 
in conjunction with the professor on a topic of their choosing. So I set up two of these seminars around the research that I was doing in this book. And basically, the students themselves helped me to put together a number of the different arguments there. So they would be reading the primary texts and working on some aspect of the kinds of questions that the book is interested in. Um, I had great students. They did an amazing job. Um, and I actually thank in the acknowledgments a number of those classes because the work that we did together was incredibly important for my thinking and my writing. It was a real pleasure to work with them. What a wonderful experience for them. I hope so. I had a fabulous time, and I think they did too. I was, you know, you're never absolutely sure, but um, they seemed to really enjoy it. I think that for undergraduates, who themselves are often thinking about questions of their own identity and what what is authentic to them versus what they put on for social display. These are real questions for undergraduates. So I think that having a group of students working through these issues with me helped me to keep it current to the kinds of issues that they deal with every day. And that was um, one of the most special aspects of the project, I think. Good. Well, that kind of segues into my next question. How do you think undergraduates could use this book, or other professors could use this book with students? Really, anybody who's interested in doing research on the intellectual or cultural history of the United States after World War II would probably find some value there. Um, I think that somebody doing work in sociology of the 1950s and the 1960s also could could find some useful material in the book. One of the things that I do talk about a lot is the way that novelists and sociologists and filmmakers, all coming from their different perspectives, sort of reach common ground on the question of authenticity as it relates to individual people. So including novels by people like Saul Bellow or... Um, Toni Morrison, it also addresses writers like Irving Goffman or David Reisman, who are very well known within a sociological tradition, but not as well known among English professors. Okay. And then my last question, how did library services support your research for this book? I have to say, I am a huge fan of interlibrary loan. <laughs> that made an enormous difference. You know, um, when we didn't have the books here on the shelves, I was able to get stuff quickly and efficiently um, through the interlibrary loan process. I also have to say that one of the novels that became a real cornerstone for the book is a novel called Revolutionary Road. Mm -hmm. And it was Paul Porterfield in the MRC, the director of the MRC, who actually turned me on to that novel. Early on in my first semester here, he asked me what I was working on, and he said, you know, I know this book by Richard Yates. It was nominated for the Pulitzer Prize, but didn't win. Um, you really should take a look at it. And I thought, you know, I've, I've got some free time. I'm looking for a good read, so I'll pick it up. And it was perfect. I mean, it now is the the one of the central topics in the final chapter of the book. And if Paul hadn't said that, um, I would have never known. Now, of course, Revolutionary Road has become a very well-known movie. Right. But um, it was the novel that first turned me on to it. So between providing unusual resources that I didn't know were going to be useful um, or I hadn't managed to come across in my own researches or making materials available to me that weren't in our library collections but were in the network of libraries from whom we take, we take loans, um, 
the resources of the MRC with all of the films that they have available, all of these things were hugely important for me to get the project done. Well, great. Well, I'm glad we could support you in that. Ah, you did a great <laughs> job. I'm thrilled. <laughs> well, thank you, Dr. Cheever. Real Phonies, Cultures of Authenticity in Post-World War II America is available in Boatwright Library and it's on sale in the University Bookstore. listening to podcasts at Boatwright. Our host was Aprisha McCulley. Our guest today was Dr. Abigail Cheever. Editing and production was performed by Andy Morton. Visit Boatwright Library on the web at library.richmond.edu.